by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Game Over Ottawa for real this time with no te- technical difficulties. Uh, the New York Islanders have been sensed tonight in uh, in surprising fashion. Kevin Mandelizzi's NHL debut went just about as good as a goalie could hope for. Uh, joining me today, I've got Adam Copeland from the Zoopcast. How are you doing tonight, Adam? I am doing very well, Maude, after that. That was a heck of a game for our our our, our new favorite goalie, Kevin <laughs> Mendelizzi. So I'm excited to dive into it. Yeah, we'll get all we'll get into that and more. I'm just going to quickly shout out our sponsor, Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? Then get in on the action at Sports Interaction. The boys of summer are back on the diamond and Mar- March Madness is on deck. Bet pre-game, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash STPN or in Ontario, download the app now using the QR code at the bottom of the screen. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Now, I think we're going to be spending a whole big chunk of time here talking about the performance of Mandalizi. I think before we really get into analyzing how the game went, first, I kind of want to ask you how you were feeling before the game in terms of the decision to give him the start, because I know that a lot of people were hoping to see uh, Mad Sogard just go back to back tonight after how great he was against Calgary. Uh, So what were your thoughts kind of heading into the game? I don't know. It was really 50-50 in a way because Mad Sogard definitely played well enough yesterday. I mean, not, you know, he gave up three goals, but he definitely played well enough yesterday to earn a spot today. But then you, you know, there's the whole conversation, the ever-evolving conversation of like goalies playing on back-to-backs and like you're not supposed to do that. And it's like, well, you know what? Like, why not give this kid a chance, Mandalizi? Like, let's get him in there. And I think I think they talked about it on the broadcast yesterday night against Calgary but they were like the players you know they they tend to play harder when they got a young kid back there who was in his first game right I don't know if that had anything to do with it but you know they make the decision to put Mandelizzi in and I wasn't expecting much at all like honestly like this is a guy who is a sixth round pick he's played in the ECHL this year um AHL as well obviously but you know you're thinking maybe there's not much here like what's gonna happen and this guy just blew it out of the water it was unreal now obviously you know it's one game um, and I'm, I'm not going to make a definitive this goalie is good or this goalie is bad after one game. But man, that's a heck of a start, right? Like that is a 46 saves on 48 shots performance going into a shootout. That is just craziness on the road with the team in front of you on a back to back. And some of those saves were so clutch, man. Like in overtime, Travis Hamanick is having a three minute shift in overtime and you're on the penalty kill. And then here's this rookie goalie just sliding all over the place. He's making the craziest saves. Um, I, I thought he was unreal. And he, I mean, the only thing that matters is that he gave him a chance to win because he definitely had some adventures, right? Like he, he lost his stick three times. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I've seen <laughs> That's that. That's right. Yeah. Um, it was, it was hilarious. And he's, he's like, there was times in the second period, he's like spread Eagle on the, in the crease. He's like doing a, you know, belly flop or something like that. He's just all over the place. Um, but man, I'm I'm really happy for him. Like, imagine that, right? You're in the ECHL like a couple months ago, and now you're playing, you know, NHL for the Sens. Like, it's pretty crazy. So, all in all, it's an unreal debut, uh, and very very happy for the kid. Yeah, super awesome story tonight. And uh, one thing, it was an interesting point that they brought up uh, actually on the broadcast tonight that I didn't really think about uh, in regards to him playing in the ECHL this season. Because one of the things I was kind of worried about is. 
you know, when a goalie has spent more time in the ECHL this season than the AHL, you kind of think like, oh, that's a huge jump going up basically two leagues. Um, But they made the great point that him starting in the ECHL is actually kind of better than being a backup in the AHL because like in terms of structure and stuff, I don't, there probably isn't as like, there's obviously a talent gap between the A and the E, but in terms of structure, I don't think it's that much of a difference. And if you're playing a ton of games as a starter in the ECHL, that's better than just playing every now and then in the in the AHL. So I feel like uh, we we saw that here tonight that Mandelizi didn't look out of place at all. And, you know, a few times tonight, it was a little bit sketchy, like you said, about how he was losing the stick. And there was a couple of times, you know, spread eagle on his back. That kind of reminded me, uh, kind of gave me a little bit of Andrew Hammond vibes, to be honest. I yeah. remember some <laughs> of those games. Uh, I think it was that West Coast road trip at the beginning of the uh, the Andrew Hammond run where I, I just remember some saves from him where you're just like, how did he save that? It doesn't look orthodox yeah. at all, but somehow he just had the magic on his side. And I feel like there was a little bit of that for, for Mando here tonight. It was just absolutely awesome. And we talk about play a team playing more responsible in front of their rookie goalie. I think overall, for at least for the first two periods tonight, I think the Sens did a much better job of that tonight than they did uh, yesterday. For Mad Sogard, it, it got away from them a little bit in the third period as they they got uh, outshot fifteen to six in the third. But but would you agree that for most of the game they did pretty well uh, for Mando, even though it ended up being almost fifty shots on goal? Yeah, I I do agree because it's funny, right? Like he he had to get yeah he had to make forty six saves, so automatically you're thinking, man, the Sens just got wiped. But it, the first two periods, like the game was really a slog for the first two periods like it was so unenjoyable <laughs> from every angle to watch it was so boring and and that is like that's that's not a bad thing um in terms of the sense performance like that's kind of what you want you want mm-hmm. a team that's being just dis- you know defensively sound and they're shutting it down and they're not letting any great opportunities come their way you know the that goal um i think it was pellic who scored the first islanders goal like that was the first time where they let a guy like walk right in right like yeah, he, that, there was that was really, rough like, it was rough. Like there was no, and I think they were like talking about it in the intermission. It was like a really bad change and like Kachuk couldn't get there, but like, you know, like whatever mistakes happen. And, and it was a really good shot. Like no, no chance for, for Mandalese at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Sens kind of kept it outside for the most part of it. And, and, and all the shots that were put on, maybe there was some traffic in front or, or something like that. For the most part, it was, they were savable shots and, and Mandalese totally did his job uh, in the, in the first two periods, that is of, of saving everything that was coming his way. And then, yeah, in the, in the third, you could tell that was a team that, that had just played an overtime game last night and then traveled. <laughs> like they, they were, they were looking a little bit rough, um, but that's where you need your goalie to step up. And, and he totally stepped up. Like he totally kept them in the game in in that third period and also not to mention like like yeah they were still tired and the, and the game was getting away from them but there were some like desperation plays by the sends in that third period that were clutch like parker kelly up oh, this was right before an islanders goal so it's kind of a moot point but it's still like parker kelly dove in front of an open net you know shot mm-hmm. by the islanders that would have been a goal and he blocks it and then they're blocking shots everywhere they're like diving to, to clear pucks out um, so like the effort, like they were trying, you could tell they were really trying and it was just like the legs weren't there and there were some really long shifts in there too. Um, but yeah, man, like, like Mandalese did it all. No, no complaints for me. And, and the Sens did all they could. Mandalese did all they could. And, and it's really great that they were able to get a win. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that even if the legs weren't there at certain times tonight, the heart was there for the whole game. I was definitely going to mention that 
big block by Parker Kelly as well. And I also noticed a sequence in the first period, I believe it was, where Tyler Mott blocked three shots in about yeah. a 20 second span. Like that's at that moment, I was like, yeah, they really want to win this game for the kid. Um, and we, we just saw that all night. The the Sens ended up with 21 block shots, which I, I don't pay too much attention to that stat. So I don't know if that's a lot for like or like more than in a typical game. But it, it really looked like they were putting their bodies on the line there tonight to to help out the kid in that. So I was very happy with that that element from the team tonight. And uh, there was also Zaitsev who saved a goal. I think it, it had trickled behind Mandelize, Mandelize in the crease and it was just sitting there and then everyone goes to die for it. But luckily Zaitsev was right there to clear it. So actually uh, some praise for Zaitsev tonight. I, yeah. <laughs> I I didn't really notice him too much tonight. So I think that's good. Like That's a positive. Yeah. Normally 100%. for Zaitsev, <laughs> that's what you want. Yeah. In, in terms of the rest of the decor though, uh, I want to ask you about what you think about Eric Branstrom's game like tonight and last night too, because uh, he's seen that elevated ice time with the Jake Sanderson injury. It ended up being 22 minutes and 37 seconds for him tonight. Uh, I think he got a shift in overtime as well. I, I can't remember if he was caught on on the ice at the same time as Hamannick for that three-minute shift. It might have been Shabbat, but but yeah, what have you thought about Branstrom with the increased ice time? Uh, well, the the, the, the Zoobcast listeners know that I, I have never been the biggest Branstrom fan in, oh, in yeah. past years. I, I, I have not, I wouldn't say that I've been an absolute hater, but I've definitely not been as high on him as other people have. And this year, like, he's just exploded. Like, he's essentially forced me to completely change my opinion. Um, and mm-hmm. these last two games, like tonight, in the first period, I thought he was all over the place. I thought he was, he was their, the Sens, easily their best defenseman and maybe even their best player in, in the first period. He was absolutely going. And I think, you know, there's a, you know, Jake Sanderson being out sucks, obviously, like for many reasons, but it kind of opens the door for Brandstrom because he's always been like, it seems like the whole year he's been, it's been Shabbat Sanderson Brandstrom, right? And then you, you could even make the argument that Sanderson has gone ahead of Shabbat in a way, but it, it's always, Branstrom's always been like kind of the last pick there. And now there's this injury and he, and DJ is like, you go on, like do it. Like, here's your chance. And I think, first of all, I think that's, you know, we harp on, on DJ a lot, but this is good by him. Like he's, he's mm-hmm. given him, he's given him some, some rope here. Um, and man, Brett, he's flying. Like he's absolutely flying. He's, he's getting into it in the offensive zone really, really well. He's much more sound defensively than I've seen from him in the past, which is excellent. Um, so I, I think he's been, he's been really, really strong and, you know, he's on like this one year prove it like, like last chance prove it contract essentially this year. And I think he's making a heck of a case to stick around. And I think, you know, if you're the Sens, you have to look at this and be like, you know, we've got a couple of defensemen coming up. Like, I know they want to bring in Clevin from North Dakota at the end of the year. Um, but like this guy is totally a, making a positive impact on the team. And even like he's been playing most of the year as a as a third pair player. And if he's doing that well as a third pair player, obviously tonight elevated role, he's playing like second pair minutes, but why wouldn't you not keep him, right? Like he's he's a positive really anywhere he plays. Um, so, I mean, to answer your question, I think he's been excellent with the added ice time. Obviously you want Sanderson back as soon as possible, but in the meantime, like that, this is the recipe. Like you're giving Branstrom his minutes. No one else deserves those minutes besides Branstrom. Um, so 100% on board. I think he's been great. Yeah, I do have to say after the Sanderson injury, I was slightly 
concerned that DJ was just gonna like give a bunch of ice time to Nick Holden in that in yeah. that lefty <laughs> spot. So very happy with DJ for giving Branchum the reins and just letting him run with it. He he's been really great. I loved how he was jumping up in the rush today. He had those two shots that hit the post, which was yeah. heart heartbreaking because after he finally broke uh that goal drought uh two games ago, I think it was uh it, it would have been awesome to see him pick up another one real quick because we would we would all love to see more offense in his game, really, because I think I think that's been the, the main knock on Branstrom is that if you're going to be a smaller defenseman, a little bit weaker physically, that uh, most people would expect you to be putting up points to to kind of offset that. And it, it just hasn't really been there for him. But I think with this uh, elevated ice time, I think we're probably going to see him pick up some more points over the next few games while Sanderson's still out. And also, interesting that you brought up Clevin. That's something that I haven't really thought much about because he's also a left-handed D, correct? I believe he is. I, I, I think so. I'm not sure. I don't know too much about him, but I, I know he's at North Dakota and he's like this huge, big guy mm-hmm. and they're really high on him um, yeah, for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. Huge <laughs> defenseman. You know that they're going to want to get him into the lineup as soon as possible uh, when they probably will sign him uh, at the end of the season uh, with probably... I can't remember exactly when the college season ends, but the NHL season kind of runs a little bit later lately into into April. So there'll probably be a few games for Clevin to potentially get into. That'll be interesting to see when Sanderson is back as well. Because uh, we at, at that point, we're not going to be wanting to see Branch from scratch or anything to get Clevin in there. I, I do kind of wonder if they can look at maybe playing Branch from on the right-hand side at some point. Obviously, you're not going to do it now while, uh, while Sanderson is out. However... Uh, in terms of just seeing him play in this elevated role and doing quite well so far, if he keeps it up, it could be sort of a situation where you want to keep him at that high, high ice time, right? Or like, he's obviously been great in a third pairing role, but I do wonder if maybe, uh, maybe we can keep his ice time up a little bit more. Like I I know he's played right D in the past. Like, what do you think about that idea? Well, I think it's definitely fair, right? Like he's, he's proving that he can handle this, elevated ice time in the last two games, at least like obviously it's a small sample size and you keep it going and you see how he does um, playing him on the right. I don't remember the last time he's played the right side. Maybe I'm just forgetting it, but, but he definitely, I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm not a defenseman. I don't know how hard that switch actually is to play mm-hmm. from the left side to the right side. Like that's not something I'd say I'm a huge expert on, but at this point, like why not give it a try? Right. Because you, you think about where the D is going to be at. You're assuming that, I mean, there's a lot of talk right now that Zaitsev is going to be gone by the deadline. And then, you know, that's a spot freed up on, on the right side there. Maybe he takes that. But but you're right. Like, you want to try to play your best players as much as possible. Like, that's just the simplest philosophy, the simplest way to put it. And so right now, Brandstrom is proving that he is one of your better players on defense. So it, it would definitely make sense to put him on the right side if it meant to get him uh, more minutes. So I'd definitely be all over that. And, and as for the earlier point on, Clevin, because they did this with Sanderson last year, right? Like they brought him in at the end of his college season. Now, unfortunately, Sanderson was injured and he didn't get to play. Um, I, I'm really interested to see what they do with with uh, Clevin, because I think one big factor is, are they still in a playoff race when he gets here? And mm-hmm. if they are, I would be surprised if he got into games, right? Because at that point, you're like focused, like laser focused, like let's just make you know, do our best. Let's try to make the playoffs here. This this kid can wait. He's still young. Um, but, you know, let's say like, you know, knock on wood, like God forbid, let's say they go on like this crazy <laughs> losing streak here um, and 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 they're out at that point. Why not? Like you might as well get them into a couple of games and and at least see what you have 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. You do whatever you want on D like the DJ is not afraid to mix up the pairs. He's done it all year. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I'm all for Branstrom playing a little bit more and, uh, I guess we'll see on Clevin. Now, since you did mention the possibility of the team being in a playoff race in April, I, I, I had to do what I, I hate doing and pull up the standings. Just, I, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm a person who I will not, I, I haven't looked at the standings all year, to be honest. Like I, oh, yeah. I literally, like, I don't even know how many points they're out. I don't want to focus on that at all. I mean, I, I like, I hope they make the playoffs, but I think for, for them, it should be like, let's just win. Let's just win every game. Like who cares? Mm-hmm. But anyway, sorry, I cut you off there. I, I think that would definitely be the mindset in the locker room in terms of just taking one game at a time and you want to win every game. I am definitely the type of person where I we we win a couple games and I'm like, OK, let me look <laughs> just to see and see like who we're playing next and stuff. So I, 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 I have to admit, I, I was tempted and I had to go look at the standings right now. It, it would have been huge if we were able to beat the Islanders in regulation today. Uh, just because they're one of the teams we're chasing. But we do have, remarkably, four games in hand on them and Florida. So I definitely feel like it's possible to close the gap on them. The only problem is that both of them are not actually in the wild card. They're the two spots below. So, But hey, Washington lost tonight. Pittsburgh is playing a late game. Maybe they'll lose. I I feel like... I, I don't expect us to get super close to the playoff race, but also I don't think we're going to be tanking really hard for Bedard either. Like we got Chicago coming up, but that's definitely a winnable game. St. Louis has struggled this year, but then we got really tough matchups in Boston and Carolina coming up after that. So I don't know. I, I feel like the, the team is on kind of a heater despite it doesn't really feel like it because we had that big uh, two week break for the all-star break, but they are seven, three, and oh, in the last 10 at this point. So it's kind of, it's kind of giving me hope. Like, do, do you feel that little bit of hope? I, I it's, it's like certainly really exciting, right? Like you, you're finally like for the first time in, in years, the team is going on like runs. Like this isn't the first run they've had this year either, right? Like they were really good in December and then mm-hmm. they kind of tapered off a little bit and now they're getting on this run again. And so at, at this point, what I'm concerned with is let's keep this. Let's not do you know, this stupid thing where the Sens go on this great winning streak and then just suck for a while. Like what, what is the deal with that? This, this needs to stop. Like consistency is really important for me. And I think in terms of hope for the playoffs, like, I mean, as long as they're mathematically not eliminated, I will always have hope for the Sens making the playoffs. Like, right. Like why wouldn't you as Mm -hmm. a fan? Um, But I think the, I think like, what are they out? Like, like six or seven points out now, which isn't that much. But the problem is, and I, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, is they have so many teams. Like, the East is so stupid. Like, there's so many mm-hmm. teams in front of them that it's almost like so many things would have to go right for them to do it, where it's like you would you would essentially need, like, people on Twitter are talking about it, right? You need a hamburger run of sorts. Yeah, pretty um, much. We need the Mando run. The Mando run, exactly. And people are calling it, like, the you need two rookie goalies to make up the one for the hamburger run 2.0 right so run with <laughs> they'll, Sogard they'll and... join forces yeah and yeah turn into, exactly if yeah. they can turn into combine to even half of what hammond did that would yeah. be amazing <laughs> it, it would be really um i don't know i i think at this point and and you know louis josh and i on the Zoobcast, we talk about it all the time like our, our expectations at the beginning of the season were not like it's going to be hard for the sense to make the playoffs just with how the East stacks up and everything. So the way that the season is working out right now, if the Sens end up finishing, you know, five, four, five, six points out of a spot, 
I think I'm content with that as a mm-hmm. as an overall season. Obviously, you can look back at the little runs and the little mistakes, and you can be like, oh, that's why we didn't make the playoffs. Like if we did this right, that's why we have been in. And then you can nitpick that, and that's fine. Um, but overall, at the beginning of the season, if you were to tell me the Sens are going to finish four points out of a spot. I would say I would call that a successful season. So I think that's kind of the way that I'm looking at it. And and in the meantime, like like seven three no, like great run, like enjoy the run, have fun watching the games. Like <laughs> they're not you know the most enjoyable games from start to finish, right? Like they played really bad hockey for 57 minutes yesterday and won, and then they, it was like a slog today. Um, but enjoy the wins and and the goalies are playing well and the vibes are really good. Most importantly, so I'd say that's what's. Uh, that's what I'm I'm looking forward to here for the rest of the year. Yeah, I totally agree with the point of if we finish four to six points out of the playoffs, that's pretty much a positive overall. Like if you said that's where we would end up at the beginning of the season, I would definitely take that. I think it's uh, maybe it's just because I'm like paying so much closer attention to the team now doing these streams that it's like riding especially the post-game reactions just riding the highs and the lows every game I feel like it's maybe it's just amplified for me but I feel like it's been a huge roller coaster of a season compared to if we were kind of like a few games above 500 kind of for the whole season and then you know we fall off at the end and you know then we're a few points out as opposed to being kind of just kind of going up and down from like from like ninth and like 12th in the conference and just going back and forth. It's like a kind of a will they won't they thing all season. Yeah. Uh, but, but I don't know. I, I, I'm just glad that the, the sense have managed to keep things entertaining enough to, to keep everyone, everyone uh, actually watching the whole season, because for the, for the past five years, there was a lot of, a lot of games where it's just like, I'm going to turn this on because I have nothing to better to do. But if I yeah. did, <laughs> like, would I really be bothering to watch this team at this point? Whereas this season you can tune in and it's not always going to be a great game, but you will probably at least see some great plays like from our top players. So mm-hmm. I, I agree that if that's where we finish, uh, <clears throat> I would be pretty happy with the result overall. Yeah. Just and I definitely agree. Like, here. no, that's all right. I, I, you like, I think you make a good point. Like watching the players, like look at Stutzla. Oh my yes, God. Definitely got to talk is... about Stutzla. This guy's unreal, man. Like he's he's really like uh, like people are tweeting, you know, Josh tweeted at the, from the Zoobcast the other day, like the the quote tweet of of when Frank Saravelli released the details of Stutzel's contract oh, yeah. and everybody was like crapping on it. And I'm like, look at this, man. His contract hasn't even started yet. And it's a steal. Like we have this guy that, like and, and, you know, I think someone from TSN 1200 posted Stutzel is the most naturally talented sense player since when and i think it might like i mean i'm you know i'm young like i wasn't there for like the early days and early spets and like you know heatley and, and alfie and all that at, at their primes but like th- this guy is unreal what he's doing and it, it, he's come and I, he, I think it's really important that he has come a long way since he started like you could see it when he was playing mm-hmm. in his rookie year like the flashes were there but he couldn't really get it right like you know something was always going to go wrong or it was inconsistent he would get really frustrated but now it's like he's sticking with it all the time. And it's like it's really working for him now. And he's working on stuff. And he is like just flat out beating guys in so many different ways. And it is so awesome. Like when's the last time the Sens have had a player that is like so much better than everybody else like Stutzel mm-hmm. is. And and he, you know, the rest of the top six is really good, too, obviously. But to me, he has been the one that has stood out the most as making like the biggest step and really cementing himself as like a future 
even current star. Like it's still, honestly, it's insane. He didn't go to the all-star game with all, with all due respect to, to Brady, like, cause he's been great too. Like Brady deserves to go, but I let Tim, I mean, come on, like for, for the next like years to come, I think he's going to be their all-star mm-hmm. and he is just such a treat to watch what he does with the puck. Like he is just going all over the place, scored another goal today. Like he's got six Absolutely points in 48 hours. Goal. Yeah. Like it's, un- it's unreal. It's so, so fun to watch. So I-, I think you make a great point. Like watch the Sens because these guys are great. And it's, you know, Sanderson's not in the lineup, but, but I love watching him. He has been unreal this year as well, in my opinion, but like just tuning in and seeing like, Stutzel do something crazy or like Giroux's making like the super smart intelligent play and like using his line mates like to bring it's like sniping it it's like you have reasons to watch finally mm-hmm. you have reasons to watch and I think that's really important and and definitely a good positive that you've alluded to I saw that tweet as well about the uh question about is Stutzel the most like naturally talented sense player like ever really or yeah it, when I think about it like obviously there's Carlson but I think it would be, I think he would be the most talented since Spezza. Would you agree with that? I think so. Yeah. And like, I mean, also the only other guy that I was thinking of is like Carlson, really. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you have that, I mean, but it's like, you know, forward defenseman, like it's kind of hard to compare, but even still like, like Carlson, I'm not taking anything away from Carlson. He was unreal when he was here. He's the best player the sense have had, but in terms of skill, like just pure natural gift at the, at the game, it, I think Stutzel might be better. Like this guy is doing things that I haven't really seen anybody else on the stands do. And it's really cool to watch. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Spezza, like the, the thing that I'm thinking about that is in terms of puck skills, like he, in the last 20 years for the Sens, he is like easily uh, the guy, the most talented with that. But then compared to Stutzel, like Stutzel is clearly a better skater than Spezza was yeah. like ever, yeah. ever at any point. I think like, I'm sure uh, maybe, maybe it's just the recency bias in my brain of thinking of Spezza, like in his thirties after him being a bit of a slower player. I'm sure he was very fast when he was a younger player, but like Stutzel has got to be up there as one of the best, like purely talented skaters in the league too. Uh, on top of the puck skills and the shooting it's just he he's the complete package and we talk all the time about on this show about how he's getting that penalty kill ice time now too and just playing yeah. over 20 minutes a game as a center like he's just developing into a complete player just absolutely amazing stuff from him and that contract is totally a steal eh? like Such if, a steal unreal if he was like, an we- rfa heading into this offseason what a mess that would be yeah, like that's what I was going to hint at is like, we don't have to worry about this guy for eight years. Like, how awesome is that? And, and, and like an era of the sentence where every trade deadline and like every offseason, it's like, oh, we got to sign this guy. We got to sign this guy. And now finally, your core all is essentially almost locked up fully for, for a, a while here. You're, you're giving yourself a window. And Stutzel's got eight eight years and he's only and he's like i don't even think he's reached his peak yet which is the craziest part of it right like he's mm-hmm. what 21 or whatever like he's he's so young like he's gonna get so much better even in the next like you know one two or three years and you're gonna be like man we're paying this guy what like whatever he is like eight eight million eight and a half million that's a steal especially with the cap going up too that's a whole different conversation um but yeah it's gonna be really fun to watch man like i think that that's kind of an important thing for some fans to remember is like is this season going exactly how the sense or how you might've planned it? Like maybe not, but these guys are so young and there is still so much success to be had. Like I'm sure of that. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely worth it to stick with it. And I I'll watch Stutzel any day. He's unreal. Yeah. 
And I also got to say, too, for all the criticism that Pierre Dorian gets, we have to give him full credit for managing to lock up this core, like long term at solid cap hits for pretty much everyone to like, you'll get a little bit of debate about Shabbat's cap hit at this point, but I don't think anyone would argue it when it was signed. It's more in terms of like a little bit of inconsistent performance. However, Kachuk's deal, perfect. Stutzler's deal, absolutely amazing. Batherson's deal looks like a steal, even though he can be a little bit inconsistent too. He's paid at the level where we can deal with that, you know? And yeah. uh, you just, I got to give huge props to Dorian for that. Yeah, definitely. Like he, it's it's fair to say that he's had his hits and misses. And I think, you know, and I'm, I'm totally guilty of this. Like we, we tend to focus on the misses just because it's easier. Like it's like, oh, Dorian, like he did another you know, dud of a trade or another dud mm-hmm. of a signing. And he's had those 100%. He's had those, but it's true, right? Like you bring up a really good point. He signed this contract that everybody is talking about. That's so good. And you know, the Batherson contract that was good and the Shabbat contract and all these, all these contracts that are good. And so you, it, but that makes it really hard to, to kind of uh, evaluate him as a GM because it's so like uh, it's still like erratic almost like he's dude he does something that's so good <laughs> and then he'll do something that everybody is questioning like I don't even mm-hmm. understand why you would do this um so but but fair point right like you, you give him props for the successful things that he's done um and I don't know like you know with new ownership looming I don't know what his future is with the sends I think a lot of people have kind of already had it written in that new ownership is going to come in and kind of clean house and that very well could happen. Um, but I, I don't know. I have the sense that, you know, Dorian is, is uh, doing his job with, with the mindset that he's going to still be here to see it through. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a hundred percent going to be true, but I think that is definitely very beneficial for the team in the sense that he's got the future interest in mind instead of just being like, we're going to do this so that I can try to win right now and save my job, <laughs> essentially. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's there's a debate to be had for sure about uh, Pierre Dorian's job as, as Sense GM, but hits and misses, definitely. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of an interesting thing with Dorian where I feel like he's done an amazing job assembling the core of this team and he's got all the primary pieces just perfect. And then it's all of the depth moves and all of the depth players where it's like, why did you pay this much for this player? Why did you give yeah. up a third round pick for Hamannick and stuff like that? So, uh, yeah, I, I agree that I think Dorian is still uh, doing his job as if like he expects to be here uh, with the new ownership too, which I think is the right mindset. I think that's all you can really do is you you wouldn't want to see the guy just kind of like phoning it in, you know, for the rest yeah. of the season expecting to get fired for sure. But um I I go back and forth on Dorian all the time, but to be honest, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't mind if new ownership kept him for one more season. I would say just in terms of can we see this team finally actually get to the playoffs? If he can give him one more year to potentially surround this core with the right pieces for once, because that's the main thing he struggled with. He's gotten the main things right, and then it's all these other things on the side that haven't haven't really planned out as much. I would I think I would give him one more year. Like I wouldn't be mad if he was fired because it's definitely been an up and down tenure for him. But would would you agree that you would you would do that or or do you disagree? I'm I'm not sure. I think it's a it's a fair point to say one more like let's give him one more go. But I feel like we've been saying that for a little bit now, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like, 
let's give him one more go. Like this is the season. And then, you know, this year it was, let's give him one more go. Like this is the season. And now you know remains to be seen if that's going to be a success or not. Um, I don't know. I, I do think that fresh blood in the front office would, would probably help just to see things from a different perspective because anybody who comes into the front office is going to be able to see like, okay, we've got this great top six. Like anybody can, can see that any manager is mm-hmm. going to see that. And it's like, Oh, we got Sanderson. Who's great. And we got Shabbat and Zub and, and Branstrom and they're great. But then it's, it's, it's those new managers that are going to be like able to identify the problems that you pointed out. Right. Like, Oh, this, this guy kind of stinks. Like this guy's kind of an anchor. And Oh, the fourth line's not great. Like we could probably do a bit better on that. So in that sense, I think new personnel, I would welcome it. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, if, if Pierre Dorian ended up sticking around, I would say I would be surprised. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I would be like irate. I don't think I'd be furious. Um, but you know, if, if it's another, like next year is really important uh, mm-hmm. for them to get over the hump, I think. Um, so if next year turns out to be a dud with Dorian, then you have like there's at that point enough is enough and there's no excuse, I think. Um, I don't know. I, I think I don't know. We'll see what they do. I, I think I think it's likely that when new ownership comes in, they will kind of overhaul just seeing the track record of of Dorian and some of these guys. They'd probably be like, it's probably in our best interest to just bring in someone new and and try to get a, a, a fresh, you know, face in here. Um but we'll see, right? Like that's kind of up to them. Uh, we don't know who's going to own the team, Ryan Reynolds, hopefully. But uh, yeah, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see how that shakes down. Yeah, I I definitely agree that I think it's uh, more likely than not that uh, they'll move on from Dorian uh, under new new ownership. But you definitely brought up a great point about the bringing in new eyes and just them being able to see things differently than Dorian in terms of the things that he may not have done uh, so well over his tenure, like certain things where he might not necessarily like we as fans criticize and think like, Oh, this is what needs to improve. But he might still just think like, this is how, if we continue down yeah. this path, it will, it will eventually work, you know? Right. So I think that's, that's definitely a fair point there. And uh, another thing I want to ask you about is we mentioned the contracts of the core players on this team and talking about how uh, Tim Stutzla, we're lucky that we don't have to deal with the RFA negotiations with him this offseason. But there is the Alex Dabrinkit negotiations. And I kind of want to pick your brain on how you're feeling in terms of that. Now, it seems from the insider reports that it it, uh, doesn't sound like there's going to be any serious negotiations until the new ownership does come in. It it seems like... uh, they don't at the current moment they don't necessarily have the green light to just hand him the giant contract but uh in terms of when they can actually start discussing a contract with him what kind of a contract would you would you like to see um i don't know i really don't know like i i feel i don't feel torn like i want to keep him 100% like he's unreal anybody who says that they should trade him i would disagree with um i think they should do everything in their power to keep him i i like Man, it's so tough. You you definitely have to wait for the new ownership, obviously, like you said. I think what if I were Alex Debrinkit, I would sign my my qualifying offer and I would do mm-hmm. one more year of RFA because why wouldn't you? Like you're giving yourself so much freedom to be like, okay, we're gonna have one more tryout year here, and I'm not locking in, but if it goes really well, I can lock in. And if it goes kind of bad, I can kind of skedaddle. Um so if that ends up happening, I think that would make a lot of people quite nervous for, you know, rightfully so. 
but I, I don't think it would be the end of the world because I think if all, you know, next year shapes up, like we're all hoping it to be and they take the next step and he's on that one year QO and he's going to be like, oh man, I can see a future here. And I think, you know, a lot of people have pointed it out. Like we had, we had Matt Bosti on, on the Zoobcast uh, the other day and, and he, he was saying like, these guys just love to be around each other. And I think that is a really important thing that should not get overlooked. Like we have seen what has happened with locker rooms in this league when mm-hmm. players don't want to be there. Like look at Vancouver. It's a mess. Yep. And, and, and the sends even like we've years seen ago. It here. Yep. Yeah, we've seen it here. Exactly. So the fact that it's so like the vibes are good. And I think that's going to rub off on him. And I think he's going to be like, it seems like it's pretty nice to be here. Um, I don't know. I, I have like the, the little hope and confidence in me that he's going to resign, you know, either, you know, medium or long term. But I do think he's going to do a one year QO. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think that's any kind of a red flag. Uh, but it's a sign that the Sens need to go next year. Like there's no excuses next year and they need to go. They need to make the playoffs at least. Um, they need to bulk up in the bottom six. They need to bulk up on D um, for Alex to it to stick around. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. I, I really have no idea. I uh, like, honestly, I have no idea what the contract would look like. No clue. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't even know how to put a number on it or, or a figure. I haven't even thought that far ahead. Um, but for now, I think that's where I'm at is you got it. You, you, you've got this guy for one more year on approve it and we'll see what he can do. Yeah, I, I agree that I wouldn't be too worried with him taking the qualifying offer just because, we're we're in the in the scenario where it doesn't make any sense to be trading him right now and i don't think because of the whole thing of being able to sign the qualifying offer and then walk as ufa i don't think you would get considerably more assets for debrinket at this year's trade deadline than you would when he's a ufa anyway as a rental uh like it, it would be a little bit more just because you're getting him for two playoff runs as opposed to one. But just because of that whole situation, I don't think it would be such a huge thing where it's like, oh, we we would miss out by keeping him that much longer. I think a lot of fans are, are kind of scarred by when Mark Stone signed a one-year yeah. deal that led him directly to UFA. However, if I remember correctly, I don't think that was even actually signing the qualifying offer. I think that was just like... It was just a one-year deal. Yeah. Yeah. So and and that seemed to be the situation or more of a situation where it seemed like Stone wanted out. But the big difference there was that uh, the Sens had no hope of actually improving next season at that time. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> whereas we expect we pretty much expect a playoff team next year at this point. It would be a colossal failure if they weren't. And uh, if this team is able to get into the playoffs next year, you got to think that Debrinket's point totals are going to be going up and you got to think that he would be pretty happy here at this point. So I agree that I wouldn't be too worried about him signing the qualifying offer, especially because his goal scoring is down a little bit this year. And if you locked him in for like 9 million or more right now, and then it was about the same next year too, that could be a potential situation where it's like, he's not an awful fit on the team, but maybe he isn't a $9 million player in this situation. So I think I would totally be fine with, uh, having just like that one more year for him and then being able to negotiate from there. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And and you talk about his goal scoring going down and man, like it doesn't even really look like it though. Like he is getting so like the chances are, have been there yeah, all year for sure. It was so frustrating at the beginning of the year when he was like hitting posts and he was getting breakaways and it would bobble off his stick. It's like, he's been there. Like he's still the same player. 
Um, and I think a lot of people can see that now that he's starting to score a little bit more. Um, I'm not worried about Alex to scoring. Like he will be fine. He's had a bit of an unlucky year and I think next year he's going to regress and he's going to be unreal. Like he's going to go back to, to what he was and he's going to, the team's going to be bumping or, I mean, that's me being an optimistic fan, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but yeah, like you have, the thing is like, if you trade him or if you don't, you know, if he does his QO and then he doesn't resign, you're just going to have to solve another problem. Like you're just going to have to go find another guy like that. Like you're causing mm-hmm. yourself more issues by trading him essentially. Um, so I think that would, that would be a poor decision. And yeah, like I'm not, I'm not worried about him at all. He he's going to be fine. Like he's, there's enough good players on the team where he'll be fine. And he's still to break it. Like he's like, do you see his goal yesterday? Oh my God. Like who is Ridiculous. scoring that? Nobody like barely anybody else is, is scoring that goal. So, um, I'm not worried about him at all. I I think Debrink it'll do just fine. Yep, I totally agree with pretty much all of that. And then the last thing I want to ask you about tonight is uh I, I discussed this a little bit on my show last night, but kind of just talking to myself about it and a little bit talking with chat too, is that obviously there's the whole Jacob Chikrin fiasco with him getting scratched for two games now, uh, being held out for a potential trade. And it doesn't sound like Ottawa is going to be involved anymore, even though they had been connected to him for like over a year now. Uh, I kind of, I wanted to get someone else's opinion on this. How do you feel about uh, the Sens kind of not being in on Chikrin most likely? I've been very conflicted about this all year because the Sens at the beginning of the year were rumored very heavily towards him uh, for obvious reasons. But then you're looking at it's like, oh, he's injured. And it's like, is he even that good? Like there was kind of a little bit of like, I'm not too sure in the the fan base, or at least for me. And then ever since he's come back and played, he has been unreal for the Coyotes, like on a really bad Mm -hmm. team, like even so. Right. So he's definitely proving his worth. Uh, Do I think like he would 100 percent help the Sens? And he would 100% be a positive impact. I don't think anybody is doubting that. But I think what is throwing people, including myself, off is that asking price seems really steep. And I understand that he's in a really good contract right now. And that would be beneficial. I mean, I don't know. Like, I I think if the Sens traded for Chikrin, I'd be very excited because Jacob Chikrin is on my team. But Mm -hmm. I'd be very scared to see what that return would look like. And... I don't know. Like it's, I, I don't even know if he's going to get traded by the deadline. This, this kind of seems like a, like a summer project almost for the coyotes, mm-hmm. right? Like when you got everybody in on, on equal ground and it's after the season maybe. Um, but, but at that point it's like, he almost lessens his value because you're losing a playoff run with him. So it's really interesting. I think, I don't know. I think the bidding war is just going to be too crazy. Like I think the price is just going to drive up way too high for my liking. And I think it's it's one where the Sens in the offseason need to go, we need a D or we need to fix our D. Maybe Chikrin's gone by that point. But at that point is when you evaluate, maybe with new ownership, maybe with a new general manager, where you're like, okay, we got to find a guy here. Um, and I'm not sure if now is the time when they're going to do it. So in short, I'm conflicted because he's unreal and he would be great on the Sens. Um but with what they might have to give up and the teams they'd be fighting with, I'm I'm a little torn on it. I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my whole thing with Chikrin is that this type of player does not become available for trade very often, especially with term left on his contract. So in terms of trying to solve the Sens defense issues, it's just like, it, it seems like a no-brainer, right, to go after that guy. 
and, and then like without him with him off the market it's like I have no clue who the hell else is going to, who's anywhere near as good as him is going to potentially be available for the Sens to, to try to plug into their top four. Like someone who you would bring in and you would have high expectations for right away. Right. Like I'm sure they'll end up finding someone who's kind of under the radar and then that'll be the guy. And we're all kind of questioning it. And then we'll see whether or not it works out, but it's like missing after missing out on chicken. It's like, I don't really know who who else I want them to go for. Like I, f- I feel like the name that a lot of people bring up all the time is uh, Matt Roy from LA. If they decide to to move a guy out because they have a lot of young defensemen coming up, like they'll need to make some room for for Brant Clark, and they yeah. might even be the team trading for Chickren apparently. So then yeah. <laughs> that that shuffles bodies around on their blue line. But like, is is there any defenseman that you're looking at other than Chickren that maybe the Sens could be looking for in the offseason? Bringing up LA is definitely fair. Like I know Dorian has been like scouting them, right? Like there, mm-hmm. there've been a lot of people being like Dorian's at the Kings game again, and and he's scouting LA all over the place. Um, I don't know. Like I, I kind of think the Sens really missed it with Marino. I was hoping they were going to yeah. get him, and he went for pretty cheap to the Devils. Um, and that's, I mean, that's working out pretty well for them right now. Uh, so I was always a little bit salty about that. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I haven't really checked the free agent class for this summer. Um, and we have no like the thing is, like, you have no idea who's going to just become available by the summer, by the offseason, like who teams are just going to make available. Like maybe some team plummets the rest of the year here and are like, OK, we're going to have to sell off this guy or, or whatever it is. Um, so I think the way that I see it is you're like you're 100 percent right. Like a guy like Chikrin does not go on market very often. Um, so at that point he's a, you know, he's a hot commodity and, and everybody's going to be wanting this guy. Um, but maybe you just wait and see where, you know, what happens in, in the summer, um, and see who becomes available. Maybe someone emerges that you really like, you go out and you get them. Um, and then, you know, we don't even have to have this conversation again next year and be like, Oh, a good thing. We didn't trade all that for chicken and we just got this guy instead. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, I don't know We'll we'll see. We'll see how it works out. But I'm I'm really interested to see what the trade package is for Chikrin because maybe it'll oh, make yeah. me just eat my words and be like, oh, well, that was cheap. Like, why didn't the Sens do that? <laughs> um, so, you know, we'll we'll see how that goes down. Um, but it should be fun to follow for for the rest of however long the saga goes for him. Yeah, that's what's bothered me the most about this whole Chikrin thing. Uh, dragging on for multiple days, and at this point, who knows if he even gets traded, um, yeah. is that I just want to see wherever he goes, I want to know what the final trade package is so that I can judge the Sens for yeah. either <laughs> saying that they should have beat that offer or saying I'm glad that they didn't offer that much. So exactly. I, like, I, I just want some closure uh, regardless of, of how it ends up. But yeah, I agree that I think it's going to be more of a situation of uh, just wait and see in terms of the Sens defense issues i i hope they don't really bring anyone in at the deadline unless it's like a surprising player that uh, that you wouldn't really expect to be moved but um like i think it's a little bit too early i think we were talking about the whole gm thing earlier uh whether or not dorian will still be around i think maybe it's something where obviously he should still be planning as if he's keeping his job but Maybe leave it to the offseason just in case. Maybe maybe we'll yeah. let the new the new GM handle that uh, if that ends up being the situation. But uh, yeah, lots of interesting storylines for the Sens looking ahead to the future. Uh, I think that's where we're going to wrap it up for tonight. Thank you so much again for joining me tonight, Adam. 
Oh, pleasure. It was a, it was a blast, especially after a win like that. The vibes were good. I was feeling good. If this was, I was really scared that this was going to be after a loss and I was going to be like, oh man, I am not going to want to do this. Like I'm going to be in such a bad mood, but clutch, yep. clutch game to have, have me on. Yeah, I'm very glad that I had a guest for this game too, uh, considering I've done all the games against the Islanders now this year, and they are not the most exciting team. Oh, so I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> luckily, uh, luckily, the last game, it was Ridley Gregg's debut, so at least I had that to talk about the whole time. And then we yeah. got Mandelizzi's debut, so just awesome stuff tonight, awesome game. Great show. I think you're a great guest. Uh, do you want to plug your socials and, and the Zoobcast as well? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Copeland. Uh Zoobcast. I don't care if you follow my personal. Follow the Zoobcast, man. We're we're having we're having fun on there. It's uh, me, Louie, and and Josh. Um, just having a great time, and and uh, we put out episodes more or less once a week, maybe once every two weeks. Um, so definitely follow at Zoobcast uh, on Twitter, and uh, I think that's that's about it for me. So thanks thanks again, Mod, for having me on. This was a blast. Awesome. Yeah, so Game Over Ottawa will be back on Friday as the Sens will take on the Blackhawks that night and Charlie will have that game for you guys. Thank you so much, everyone, for watching. Uh, Leave a like on the video, subscribe to SDPN, and have a good night. Game Over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sports